Hey, welcome friends. There's more of you here, which is great. I thought the rain would always deter you from coming, but I'm glad you made it. I hope the drive wasn't too scary on the way here. I'm just glad you're here. We're going over a, a passage, we're going over our series through the Gospel of Mark uh, to understand who is this God named Jesus who truly leaves a mark. Mark in this world, a mark in our lives, also a mark of wounds that he takes away from us. Who is this man? And so now we turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. And if you find your places there, if you're able, can you please stand with me as we hear the reading of God's word? These are God's holy, inspired, and life-giving words. Let's give him our full attention today. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly warned, uh, charged them, charged him, and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But he was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Amen. Thus goes your reading of God's word. May he continue to bless it for us. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God remains forever. Please be seated. So this idea of belonging, belonging is a basic human need. Apart from food, water, and shelter, you need somewhere to belong. Everyone needs somewhere to belong. And we all seek for places to belong. Doesn't matter where. We all need it. And yet, perhaps in all our longings to belong somewhere, underneath it all, there could be a sense of fear or just, just uneasiness, uneasiness that perhaps possibly I could be displaced in the places that I belong. Doesn't matter what it is, you could belong to a specific political party and find yourself, is this progressive enough for me? Is it too conservative? Feeling of, feeling of displacement there. Or maybe being a person of color, you wonder, where do I fit in in this country? Or maybe it's even with familial relationships. That if you mess up, what if my family finds out about this? What if they disown me? That fear right there, it kind of creeps up on us. We all have it. Because we all have such a deep longing just to want to belong somewhere with someone. And yet, what about spiritual belonging? Because underneath it all, is this not what we're all looking for? For us to belong to God. And yet, how God makes a way for us to belong, in this passage, God shows us a way, uh, he makes a way for us to belong despite our messiness. And he shows us what are exactly the implications for this. See, we read about a leper that has this skin condition that has cut him off from everywhere. He does not belong. And he wants us to see life in his shoes. 
And what does this mean for us? We're going to look at three things here. One is what is skin deep. Secondly, our soul is deemed. And last of all, a sign that's being displayed. Skin deep, soul that is deemed, and a sign that is displayed. Let's look at the first part here, skin deep. Skin care is this $21 billion industry in just the U.S. alone. In this market, you have the rise of what we call skin influencers, who are these social media personalities that help recommend the best skincare products so that you can have pristine, baby-like, unblemished skin like them. And after all, the epidermis is the largest organ of the body, so why not take care of it? I mean, it's the most noticeable about you. Like when we have a bad skin day, it affects our confidence to go out in public. It makes us want to hide. This leper, he couldn't hide. There's no way. He cannot hide at all. He is a, a public spectacle of shame. See, according to Jewish law, he was not allowed to be part of this community. As a matter of fact, he had to live outside of the community all by himself, not even allowed in the town or villages that they, they were a part of. And if this leper saw anyone from a distance, and I mean a distance, even like a hundred feet away, he had to yell, according to Jewish law, he had to yell, unclean, unclean. Unclean, unclean, in order to warn people. That, that's true social distancing right there. Unclean, unclean. This man cannot hide his condition, but we often can, and we often do. I went to the Sanford Mall a couple weeks back just to return something. You know, it's my first time there, and I was looking at all the buildings. It's nice and clean. You have like clocks that are decorated, ornamented, ornamented with gold, and it's, it's, it's lovely to look at. Everyone that walks around this mall, they look like they're cut out from a catalog of Everlane or Gucci Delbana. I don't know if that's a brand or not, but like those kind of things. And I was walking around past the man talking on his phone. And I wasn't eavesdropping. He was just talking really loud in public. And the thing that he was talking about was, he was talking about money. How he spent 50000 and then he gets all more animated and just talks about, I dropped 100000 on this. And he says, it's all play money to him. I was thinking, well, is this guy playing Monopoly on the phone or something? Or why is he talking about play money? And I realized what he was talking about. He's talking about poker. His extravaganza. I, I think back to this moment because it made me think about the leper. Crying out, unclean, unclean. Because we all have this illusion that if you're successful, it somehow magically gets rid of all your problems. Or at least you can hide it with success. Who would ever guess that you have problems when you look so put together? Leper, the leper, he couldn't hide. He could not hide. And in his condition, he, he approaches Jesus, and notice that the leper does. He doesn't go through the proper protocol. He doesn't scream and cry out unclean. He was probably stalking Jesus waiting for the perfect opportunity where no one else was around. And the perfect moment arrives. What does he do in this perfect moment? He kneels before Jesus, right in front of him. That is the closest he's been to anyone. 
And as he kneels before Jesus, you get in verse 40, he cried, he pleads with him in verse 40, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. Notice what he does not say. He doesn't say, you can heal me. Doesn't say that. He says, you can make me clean. In their context, this is not just limited to Judaism. There was this prevailing belief that for anyone to have this kind of skin disease meant that the person was greatly, has greatly offended the gods. So a skin disease was a sign of a divine curse. Not just according to uh, Judaism, but according to Mesopotamia, Babylonians, all of them believe that skin disease, when you're affected by it, you must have angered the gods in a severe way. And it's no different in the Old Testament. You think about characters like, characters like Miriam who spoke against Moses, God's chosen, and she was automatically hit with leprosy. Or when King Uzziah offered unauthorized fire in the temple, he too received the skin disease. You even read in places like Deuteronomy 28 that part of the covenant curses is that God's people, when they were unfaithful, they too would have rashes break out. This request to be made clean is all about ritual purity. Ritual purity. Essentially, what the man is asking for is, make me right with God. Make me right with God. His skin condition is really a reflection of our spiritual condition. That's what it is. You know how the Bible describes our spiritual conditions? It's right here, Ephesians 2.1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. Now here's the issue. We are such great problem solvers. We're such great problem solvers. It's how you got the jobs that you have. It's how you have the families that you possess. All the things that you have, all the accolades, whatever it is, it shows that you are great problem solvers. So you can fix anything. Sin is not something that can be fixed. Rather, it's something that has to be atoned for. A lot of times we think that God just needs... Uh, that a, a lot of times the thinking is that we are just, as long as we're just half decent people who, when God just needs us, uh, or we're just half decent people and God just needs us, just give us an extra push to put us in the right direction, that we're already hitting it. That seems to be the thinking. Our problem solving minds. God just needs to give us an extra push. When Ephesians 2 says, no, you are dead, there's no improving upon this condition. See, when God just becomes an, a guy who just gives you an extra push, God becomes this kind of personal assistant or some sort of self-help coach cheering us on. You can do this. Oh, we're dead. We're dead in our trespasses. That's our spiritual condition. If you know this, it requires us kneeling and pleading before God. Please, make me clean. The issue is deeper than the skin. The issue is deeper than the skin. It goes down to the very parts of who we are, down to our soul. Which brings us to our second point here. Soul has to be deemed. 
the leper, he's asking for a miracle. He's bent down on his knees, seeking for help. You know what he sounds like? You know what this sounds like? Bent down on his knees, making a plea. It's the posture of prayer. It's the posture of prayer. That if you want to see the difference of whether God is your personal assistant or if he is actually your savior, you just have to look at one thing. What does your prayer life look like? What does it look like? Because prayer in itself is an act of helplessness. You know, when people ask for healing and they ask for these prayer requests from me, like to heal their cancer or some cancer that their parents are going through, I noticed how I'd always add this line of, if it is in your will, if it is in your will, God. Something to that effect. Why do I do this? Why do I add this phrase there? One person put it this way. She said, even people who believe in miracles often don't pray for them because they're afraid of disappointment, a protection against pain, protection against feeling ill toward God or other people. It takes hope and vulnerability to be open to this idea of healing, end quote. This makes me realize that's all I'm doing. Just trying to make believable prayers to set realistic expectations so that I'm not disappointed or the person I'm praying for is not disappointed. I'm just trying to make these believable prayers when in reality we believe in an unbelievable God. Do we not? Who does unbelievable things. And I, again, I see my problem-fixing ways even in my own prayer life. We're problem-fixers, so much of us. Jesus sees the true condition of our heart in this. It's so deep. Verse 41. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will. Be clean. He touches the leper. You know the health benefits of affectionate touches are? There's this institute called the Touch Institute in the University of Miami where they study kids who had touch deprivation. That's what they labeled it. And the result of this was a failure to thrive with permanent physical and cognitive impairment later in life. And they also reported that hugs are actually related to good health helping to boost the immune system. We should all probably do a group hug after this, but you guys are all introverts, so we'll hold off on that for another time, once we get closer together. No one in their right mind would touch this leper. No one in their right mind. They wouldn't touch this leper with a 10-foot pole because to actually touch a leper meant that you yourself became unclean. And it was believed that leprosy is contracted by the touching of a dead body. So you too were considered dead to be able to do something like this. Jesus could have commanded from a distance for the man to become clean, and it would have been all good. But the fact remains, he was willing to place his hands on a man deprived of not just touch, but of love. It communicates that he actually knows our struggles and that he actually cares. Here is the distance that Jesus is willing to go to reach us, to reach all of us. The touch of grace is Jesus, he became unclean and dead for our trespasses for our sins. 
All sin really starts in this place of, I am not lovable. And Jesus says, I don't think so. Here's my touch of grace. So that you may be deemed clean. Or more importantly, loved by God. Which makes everyone uncomfortable a little bit. Because surely, surely there must be something we need to do. Surely there must be something we must become. Otherwise, who can actually be loved? But this, my friends, is the true nature of grace. There is nothing for you to be other than to be loved by Christ. I'm not a big birthday guy. It's just another day for me. I mean, if you guys have birthdays, I'll come. I'll celebrate. So invite me if you want. But my last birthday, I distinctly remember, I just did not want to celebrate. I I woke up super grumpy. I woke up at like 5 a.m. and I was so mad about it. And then I went back to sleep to try to sleep off my guilt. I didn't want to celebrate my birthday that day. But my kids woke me up. And they said, happy birthday, it's your birthday. And they gave me this hug. They put this little cone-shaped hat on me. And they present their cards of like all these lines and scribbles. And internally, I'm thinking, why? I'm so grumpy today. Like, just leave me alone. But they just want to celebrate with me. Now I look forward to my birthday, not necessarily to celebrate me, but because of the people who care, despite all the grumpiness and ugliness of, that, of what I could be, what I'm like at times. And every year I see this. Every year I see this grace, and I just, when I receive this kind of grace, it makes me just want to change. Just be a little bit of a better dad. That's the nature of grace. Fred Rogers, he put it this way. He said, from the time you were very little, you had people who smiled you into smiling, people who talked you into talking, sung you into singing, loved you into loving. I like that. Loved you into loving. I suppose this is why God gives us grace, to grace us into gracing others. Because out of everything God wants to reveal, it's the sign of grace for all of us, which brings us to the last point here. There's a great sign that is displayed. The leper is healed. And Jesus gives a stern charge here. In verse 44, he says, See that you say nothing to anyone. Does a leper obey? Or a now healed leper, does he obey? Verse 45, he went out and began to talk freely about it. Freely. What an odd sequence of mixed messaging here. Uh, On the one hand, you think, doesn't Jesus want us to be his witnesses? Why is this such a bad thing? I mean, he's doing a good thing, so what's going on here? Why is he silencing this man? While on the other hand, you think, well, people should listen to Jesus, and he did say, so what's going on here? I believe it's the case when helping hurts. News spread that the miracle, uh, news spread that a miracle worker is here. And even the disciples themselves believed into this narrative. And all of this portrays Jesus as this miraculous healer, but not as a savior. It's misinformation at its finest. And Jesus did not want nor need this kind of publicity. There's good intentions, but still disobedience. 
you have to wonder, why couldn't the gospel, the gospel writer Mark just leave this little detail out? Just end it at Jesus' heel and let us go home with this uh, good feeling, that with a good ending, you know? Why, why does he have to damper this with this little detail? But it's exactly how our lives are like. It's so much of a reflection of what our lives are like. God, I know what you've said. It's all good. It sounds wise. But I've got a better way. I know a better way. God, thanks for the salvation. Now, out of my way, Holy Spirit. Enough of this conviction part. Let me just take over from here. I've got this. The thing about grace is that it's not like getting into your dream school when you had no chance, and once you're in it, it's all on you to stay in and graduate. That's not it. As if God is one and done. No, grace is a process of God constantly reaching out to us and telling us we belong. Jesus makes this specific command in verse 44. Offer your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them, or better yet, a sign. See, in Leviticus 14, when a leper became clean, a priest had to confirm that healing actually took place. And part of this cleansing ritual would be mixing water with the blood of a bird. That's a very significant detail here, a bird. And the diluted blood would then be sprinkled all over the person who is now healed. And as the priest uh, declared the person clean, they would release another bird that was alive and living to signify that the disease is now being carried away. Let me ask you this. Does this man obey Jesus in the second portion? Here's the thing. There's no confirmation that the man actually went through with this, went through with the process or the ritual. Mark kind of leaves this open-ended. Does he fulfill it or does he not? But I think the most important thing here is that Jesus is the one that actually fulfills the requirement of being actually made clean. Jesus is the one that fulfills the requirement here. Because Jesus came and he is baptized with water. And the Spirit descended on him like a dove, bird. Automatically, what happens? He is sent out into the wilderness right after his baptism, just as he is sent out into the desolate places in verse 45 in our passage here. But where's the blood? Where's the mixing of the blood? It's later supplied at the cross, where Jesus is cast out into the desolate of desolate places, also that you yourselves can be brought in. Death touched Jesus so that eternal death cannot touch you. God extends grace to you with simply the words, just belong, just belong, just belong. And it's the very message he proclaims to us every single day. Just belong. Whereas, where else is there to go from there? Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father God, in, in all our longing to belong somewhere, here you are with open hands and an open heart to say, come to me. God, regardless of what kind of past 
what kind of struggles that we're currently going through, maybe even hard-heartedness. Your heart turns gentle and tender towards us. I don't understand that kind of response, but you are wiser than I, and because of that, may we simply believe by faith in what Jesus has done, and let your touch of grace change us to be reminded over and over again we belong to Christ. Thank you for that gracious promise that you provide for us in the cross. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.